It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Brandon and I are going a little more strength, conditioning, and nutrition. We're talking about putting on lean muscle mass. We're talking about eating at a surplus, training for hypertrophy, all the things that go into gains. And with Thanksgiving right around the corner, I thought this might be an appropriate episode. So if you haven't already, please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It's how we reach more people. It's also a great place to leave a comment or a question for a future episode. So I hope everyone has has a wonderful holiday season, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Happy Monday. It's Thanksgiving week, and tis the season for gains. And that's why we want to do this timely episode on how to gain mass. We're talking about bulking. So on Thursday, while you're enjoying time with your family, eating that turkey, that dry-ass bird, and some of your grandma's pecan pie, Maybe you don't need to feel disgusted with yourself after you stuffed your face because you're enhancing your performance. Or maybe you do. I don't know. I want to see what Josh has to say about it first. So, Josh, I'm going to tee you up here because I'm sure you've gotten this question or this comment several times over your career. Someone says, I want to gain lean mass. I want to gain muscle mass but without gaining fat. And I know when I hear that, my initial response is, well, yeah, me too. So is it actually possible? Can we, can we actually gain one without the other? Yeah, man, that is exactly um... – Exactly what everybody asks. You know, it's a common goal. People want to increase muscle mass, or subsequently, subsequently maybe have increases in strength as well. But we all kind of have in the back of our mind this whole, uh, you know, body composition thing going on, or this uh, this image in our head of, of what we want to look at. So I get that question all the time. Like, yeah, I want to build lean mass, but I don't want to. I don't want to gain any body fat. Um, and you know, I think that you know it it, it can be done at least from a, a standpoint of um, when you're looking at somebody as they're gaining mass, you know, their composition is not going to be to where you see that accumulation of body fat. And we know when we put on mass overall, there, you're not just going to put on lean mass. There's because you're, if you are in a caloric surplus, you're going to be, you know, putting on some adipose tissue too, but you can do so if the, if the surplus is small enough that it, it's, uh, it's possible. It's possible to kind of preferentially put on more lean mass rather than just put on mass in general, but we can get into more of the, the details of that. Um, but I think, um, calories and the composition of those calories uh, will go a long way in determining the composition of the weight that's either lost or gained. Well, yeah, let's, let's dive in that a little bit more. So, uh, but, but let me back up first, because some of our listeners might not be familiar with this concept, because I think it's, it's more uh, common in um, this country that people are trying to lose weight. 
for the most part because we are an obese country. But there are several reasons why people want to gain gain weight. You know, it could be for aesthetics. Could be people just want to put on more muscle mass. Could be performance. We know that just basic physics. Mass moves mass. Um, competition, right? So we see this a lot more these days. People in weight cutting sports. They sometimes actually go up in classes between seasons as they become more skeletally mature. Um, we've seen that a lot more ever since uh, Kyle Date won four natties in four different weight classes. Um, what else? Did I miss anything? No, I think you're exactly right, man. Like it's it might be a little bit more of a uh, minority goal relative to what the majority of people um, seem to want. Like you mentioned, most of the time people uh, come to me about this, it's it's primarily weight loss. But there is a small group of people who uh, you know do want to put on mass, or if they're working with me from a performance standpoint, I'm talking to them about putting on mass because I think it will help them with their performance. Sometimes it's me initiating that conversation um, if I think that it will benefit them. But you're right, there is a significant number of people to that are that are focused on this kind of thing so i think it's it's an important topic for sure Mm -hmm. so you touched on the fact that when it comes down to it we have to be in a caloric surplus so let's break that down a little bit more as far as macros go let's say i'm trying to gain mass and not talking about what kind what should i be emphasizing because you know isn't fat more dense than the rest of them how, how do we approach that? Yeah, man. Um, so from a macronutrient perspective, you're right. Each, uh, each macronutrient, a gram of each one, we say macros. Um, we're talking about the three macronutrients that are, that are you know, the ones that everyone focuses on, protein, carbohydrates, and fat. Those are different than, say, micronutrients, your, your vitamins and minerals. Um, and a gram of each one of those does have a different corresponding um, caloric number. So fat is uh, you know, a little more calorically dense. So each gram of fat will be nine calories versus the four calories uh, that you'll, uh, you'll be taking in from a gram of protein or carbohydrates. But um, even more so than the, the uh, macronutrient number, because everybody wants that one. For me, my first thing is I start with the calories because um, it is a little bit more than, say, calories in and calories out, but it does, calories in and calories out does apply to an extent. So my first thing I'm doing with somebody is kind of determining, you know, where are they currently from what they're eating total calorie-wise, and then I'm looking at where do I think they need to be total calorie-wise. Um, so before I even dive into macros, I think total calories is most important, um, and then within that, it's the composition of those calories, the different uh, macronutrient breakdown. Yeah, man, um, you know, that's... <laughs> Personally, I'm constantly bulking. I mean, there's no off season for me with that. And I have to stuff myself for a solid week until I'm miserable just to gain a pound. I don't care what kind of pound that is. So my question with that is, does that mean that I'm a hard gainer or is the term hard gainer actually a real thing? Am I not just eating enough? Is there, is there some type of uh, formula or something we can use to, to get some metrics on this kind of thing? Yeah, people love to throw that term out there, that hard gainer term. And I think that they're, I think the, what's going on there is the person is, is not accurately, um, I guess, doesn't, maybe doesn't have the, the understanding of how much or intake they really need based on their expenditure. And that's where those formulas are just guides. So, um, you know, you, you can use a, a number of different formulas. Um, there, there are a million out there, uh, some that, take, that are simple, um, where you just have a, a single number that you, mo- you multiply with your, your body weight or your goal body weight. Some are more advanced, where you have number of training sessions and intensity of those sessions factored in. Um, a lot of times, people will calculate their basal metabolic rate. Um, so your, your, your BMR is essentially... Um, the amount of, of energy that your body expends, you know, just to survive and, and, and stay alive. It doesn't take into account um, 
you know, expenditure through exercise or um, the thermic effect of food, anything else that adds to expenditure. It's just the, you know, the base rate. Um, a lot of times you'll calculate that and then apply some type of uh, multiplier to that. So it can get a little complicated. You can get really down in the weeds. Um, but ultimately, it's just a guess. It's just an educated guess, but it's a guess. So um, a lot of times I hear that hard gainer term like, yeah, I'm eating, you know, 3,500 calories every day and, and I can't gain any weight. Um, I should be gaining weight. I'm like, well, then that clearly tells me we are not in a surplus. If you truly are eating 3,500 calories a day or whatever the number is, and you're still not seeing the change on the scale, that means that you don't fit into that formula. And we know that nobody is, is exactly like any formula and nobody is, is the, that prototypical person. So um, when it comes to you know, nutrition and intake and we're looking at those formulas, it's just a starting point. Uh, you throw that out there, you try it, and then you see, okay, did the person gain weight? Did they lose weight? Um, did they stay the same? Uh, and then you adjust from there. So a lot of times people throw that hard gainer out there and it, it just tells me that if they truly are consuming what they say they're consuming, which oftentimes people have a slight distorted view of what they're taking in, um, both above and below. Um, there are people that think they take in more than they do and people think they take in less than they do. Um, but if they actually are accurate in that number, it just tells me that, that we need to increase from there. You know, it, it's, it's just, you know, you keep adding until the weight, the, until the, uh, the scale starts changing. Yeah, man, that, uh, that comment you made about a distorted view, that was totally me. I remember when you made me do a food log and I thought I was eating a lot, but like when I actually like saw the list, uh, it, it, just, it just wasn't near enough um, what I needed. And I think it's just, just not eating, you know, in between the three main meals, you know, letting work get in the way and that kind of thing. So you definitely have to put the work in. And so with that said, you know, say you have a client that does want to gain weight, does actually want to, you know, make this change you know, where do we start? Do, do you recommend that we do this in a healthy manner by eating clean, whatever that means, or, or should we just dirty bulk and eat everything in sight? I mean, like the fat off steak, cream or your coffee, dessert, whatever. Like where, where do we start? That, you know, that's a loaded question too, man. I think, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out the, it depends card and, uh, <laughs> you know, try to, you know, maybe get a little bit more context to it. Um, I think that, when you are at, say, the higher end of the spectrum from calories needed in this instance, sometimes it's very, very hard to get those with quote unquote clean foods, you know, where you're, you know, there's only so much uh, sweet potatoes, broccoli and chicken you can take in in a day when you have caloric demands that are, you know, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of calories. So, um, for me, I usually have, uh, you know, eventually that you kind of have to either supplement with, with a, a, you know, liquid nutrition through carbohydrate or protein powders, um, or you have a little bit more, um, you know, calorically dense foods that aren't necessarily nutrient dense. Um, but uh, you know, we're all, uh, you know, for me, I'm almost always preaching the, the quality aspect of it. I don't want to add calories for the sake of calories. Ideally, I want to increase calories if needed with appropriate foods for that person. Um, but that being said, you know, I have some clients who like, you know, I have to, you know, I have to encourage them to be a little less strict with their diet because they struggle to get what I want them to take in. Um, you know, cause they're almost, they eat, almost eat too clean, um, for, for what I need them to do. So I think, I think you take it a little case by case. Do you, do you see a difference in that between your male and your female clients at all? Or is it about the same? Yeah, I, I do, man. I do. Um, uh, I, it seems that some of my, um, again, there's no, not perfect on either side, but some of my female clients that I think would benefit from increasing some, some lean mass, uh, they eat that, that already eat very, very clean. It's very difficult them for, for some of them to, um, 
be okay with, with having something that isn't perfect in terms of a quality perspective. Whereas a lot of my male clients who, who also eat very clean, if they also understand the goals and understand why I want to increase mass, I, I don't usually have a tough time telling them that it's okay to have uh, you know, uh, a, a little extra halo top at, at night or having uh, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich uh, before they go to bed if I need them to really put on some mass. So um, I think there is, I, I, you know, it's not perfect. I know I have some some males who struggle with that and some females who don't struggle with it. So it's, it, it can be the opposite, but that does seem to be a little bit of a trend. Yeah, man. I, 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 you know, I don't quite get the halo top trend. I mean, it's, it's the fitness ice cream. If you're going to eat ice cream, why not just get a pint of Ben and Jerry's man? It's like, it's like Natty light being the fitness beer. I, I don't know. <laughs> But, but, but so with that said though like do you, do you have some other tricks to try to sneak in calories i've heard of sometimes people do things like um take olive oil shots i mean that sounds like diarrhea shots to me or um doing things like peanut butter and jelly in between meals yeah man i think any of your go-to's anything that you tell clients yeah man nickel stuff um i think they're uh, I, ideally I would increase their portion sizes first or add another meal or something along those lines first. But should that de- uh, prove to be unsuccessful, uh, then you do have to get a little creative. Um, I first, if I, if I need to, I'll, I'll supplement more with, say, a um, – like liquid nutrition. So um, adding or increasing their current intake um, from powders, it's not ideal, um, but it's quick and easy. And most people don't struggle with that. Um, You know, it can go, it can be as simple as going from, um, you know, 25 grams of protein in their post-workout shake to have them do a scoop and a half to where it's 37 and a half. And then maybe their uh, two to one ratio is what I have them on. They're on 50, um, you know, 50 grams of carbohydrates in that shake. And now I have them up to 75 grams um, that, you know, that right there would be a hundred and what, 150 calories roughly on top. Um, so you can, you can, you know, make subtle adjustments there. Um, I'm not an olive oil shot guy. I've heard that kind of thing. Um, I tend to try to get them to eat to, to, um, you know, do it through adding, you know, adding food if possible. I know for me in college, um, I, I struggled a little bit gaining weight or at least, you know, again, I I would have called myself a hard gainer now knowing what I know. I just wasn't doing it. (laughs) I just wasn't doing it right. Um, uh, I was a peanut butter and jelly, um, or two every night before I went to bed. Um, I wouldn't necessarily advocate that for everybody. Um, but it definitely worked. Um, it definitely, it definitely helped. Um, so I think I, I don't necessarily try to go with like, you know, tricks, but I think you can do little things, adding, um, you know, butter to things, adding, uh, you know, or adding cream to the, to your coffee, um, you know, moving to, a, you know, if somebody has like a low fat yogurt person, um, moving to more of a full fat yogurt or full fat cheese, um, you know, you can, you can do some things or, or if they're a, a 93%, um, uh, you know, ground beef person have them move to 85 or eight. I mean, you can, you can make subtle adjustments like that if you have to. Um, for me, I'm, I'm first, I'm just trying to see if I can get them to increase their portion sizes. Gotcha. So a lot of times it's just, it's just the details, just making small changes, kind of like the way we'd approach someone losing weight. Now real quickly, before we, uh, before we move forward, quick fact check here, I made a mistake. Doesn't happen often. Natty, Natty light is not the fitness beer. That's the college beer. That's what you play beer pong with. I was thinking Mick ultra, Mick ultra oh, yeah. is, the, is the fitness beer. That's where you yeah. see the commercials are doing CrossFit and then, and then pound them. My bad. Yep. Like 96 <laughs> calories or something. <laughs> yeah. per, per beer. Yeah. My mistake. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad you right. cleared that up. Yes, yes. So uh so so we know or we established that, you know, gaining gaining weight it requires a caloric surplus. Now when it comes to training, um, if that means that we have to take in more calories than we expend, 
does that mean that I need to be training less or less often? How do we approach it from that side? Yeah, I think we have to look at their training and, and look at a couple factors with it. Um, we have to look at what type of training are, there, are they doing. Um, certain types of training, of course, are, are going to be um, you know, more supportive of gaining lean mass or are going to provide a better stimulus for gaining lean mass um, versus other types of training. And then we have to look at like the total volume uh, of what they're doing to where we can start to estimate expenditure. And then we have to account for that when we're, when we're coming up with intake. So we'll, we can create that surplus by adding, uh, adding intake. We can also create that surplus by removing some of the expenditure. So there, are, there's more than one way to do it. I tend to to do a little bit of both. Um, I, I might uh, adjust what they're doing in the gym while adding some some calories as well, and play around till we find the right uh, the right mix for that person. Uh, but you definitely have to mo- look at what you're doing in the gym. You have to make sure that the type of training you're doing is um, sufficient enough to you know stimulate uh, you know lean mass game, but also isn't too much to where we're actually preventing that. Cause you know, we can actually have, you know, t- you know certain types of training are actually going to, you know, make it more difficult to gain lean mass. Um, and then of course mm-hmm. the overall volume that the person's doing, we have to look at that relative to what they're taking in. Sure. So, so with that said, what should the workouts look like? So what kinds of lifts, what kinds of movements should I perform or what should be emphasized? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for me is emphasizing the time under tension. And we've talked about this a few times on here. I'm a big fan of, of controlling time under tension by prescribing tempos with, with lifts that you can. Obviously, you're not necessarily prescribing certain tempos on Olympic lift uh, derivatives or variations, um, but you know all of your other movements. And they don't necessarily have to be isolation type movements. I think people automatically assume it has to be isolation type movements. It can be um, more uh, full body compound movements as well. But we, we want to make sure the time under tension is going to be enough to stimulate, um, you know, hypertrophy. So for me, I'm looking at sets taking at least 40 seconds. Um, so I, even if I gave somebody eight to 12 reps on a set, because we know that's like the classic hypertrophy range is eight to 12 reps. Um, if that person isn't controlling their rate of speed, um, as they're doing it, uh, they're not necessarily going to stimulate hypertrophy. You know, you could do 12 reps in 20 seconds. If you're moving quickly, um, I would argue that that is not necessarily going to be a stimulus that's going to, you know, uh, help create create um, an increase in muscle mass. So for me, I'm controlling tempo um, and, and controlling the time under tension. So I'll start with um, kind of a rep number and a, a tempo that allows me to be in that range I want, which is at least 40 seconds up to you know a minute uh, per set. And then um, I'll kind of adjust everything off of that. So the longer the time under tension um, and the higher the rep number there, the lower number of sets I'm doing for the most part, there's kind of an inverse relationship there. Um, I'm also not resting quite as long there. Um, I don't necessarily need to because the, the, um, nervous system impact when you're going slower like that is not to the point where I need uh, a long amount of rest to recover between sets. But then also, you know, there's some argument and literature is a little varied on whether this is actually important, but by, by keeping the rest interval shorter, you might be creating a more, um, you know, a metabolic environment that is a little bit more, um, I guess, suited for uh, stimulating hypertrophy. Um, so I'll, I usually have a little bit of an inverse relationship from like rest time versus time under tension. So um, I think that that is, is one way to approach it, looking at, um, you know, time under tension, then adjusting variables around it. Um, and then, you know, picking um, exercises that are appropriate for that person. Like I said, it doesn't have to be 
um, you know, classic bodybuilding type exercises. It can be, but you can still do squats. You can still do pulls. You can still do presses. You can, you know, there, uh, I love what Marcus Philly has been doing with the, the functional bodybuilding stuff that he puts out there. That's essentially what's going on. You're doing, you know, these, these more, quote unquote functional lifts. Um, but you're, you're really focusing on tempos, uh, to, you know, stimulate hypertrophy. So that's a big part of it. I think that's the bulk of what you have to be doing. We have to focus on the resistance mm-hmm. training element of it. And at this time we still can focus on some aerobic development, but it needs to be pretty low intensity there. Um, and what we want to avoid is kind of the shit kicker conditioning pieces. Um, the stuff that like leaves you on your back um, in a pool of sweat, looking up the fan while you're breathing hard, watching it spin, thinking, damn, that was hard. That is kind of the stuff that we want to, um, we want to actually avoid during this time, um, primarily just because of um, competition for resources. Um, when we're trying to stimulate muscle growth, that is a tough thing to do. Um, Lean tissue is metabolically expensive for the body. Um, the, it, it costs a lot. Um, so we not only have to be taking in enough to support, um, you know, keeping that tissue and laying down new tissue. We have to have a stimulus that is strong enough to kind of encourage the body to actually do that. And um, when we do um, those, those rough conditioning pieces like that, things that really are, are um, metabolically taxing, uh, now your body has a, has a bunch of different things that it's got to try to uh, recover from and adapt to. Uh, and we usually, I won't say completely blunt, but we, it, it's usually a little bit di- more difficult to increase a lot of lean mass when that happens. So um, for me, I am usually pulling back on that type of training. I'm probably still doing a lot of really easy aerobic work. One, because you can still create some aerobic adaptations while focusing on hypertrophy. Um, I just have to make sure that the volume is not so much and the energy expenditure for that aerobic work isn't so much that I'm reducing that surplus that I want overall. But it also is going to help with um, recovery uh, from the um, more you know, intense hypertrophy work. Um, we are creating muscle damage um, when we do those type of sets, those long time under tension sets where we're really exaggerating the eccentric and that easy aerobic work, um, you know, keeping it monostructural or, or it can be mixed modal, but taking, you know, you know, pulling out a lot of the eccentrics so that way it's primary concentric contractions. We're actually you know, stimulating recovery and blood flow there, which is going to be helpful uh, um, between sets and recovering from each set day to day. So um, I will incorporate that that stuff in there but for the most part i'm pulling out all the quote on you know the the classic crossfit type workouts sure that's a lot of information there let me recap that real quick first off uh love that functional bodybuilding program that stuff is awesome um gaining mass hypertrophy emphasis on compound movements uh long time under tension you said relatively high volume, right? S- sets and reps. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it, you're going to adjust your, your sets based on kind of your volume and time of retention. Um, but you can do, you can have a fair amount of volume with that resistance training. Yeah. And then uh, the lower rest time. And then also the, the weight, the weight actually needs to be fairly heavy, right? Yeah, we, you know, classically we need, you know, I think most, you're going to see different numbers, but if you're thinking, you know, 60 to 70% of your one rep max, if not a little bit more that you're using for a lot of these sets um, is important um, because uh, otherwise the load may not be sufficient enough to stimulate hypertrophy as well. Um, so that's, that's something to consider too. You're not, you're not, you know, babying these, these um, exercises. That's right. What, what Ronnie Coleman say? 
Everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, but no one wants to lift heavy ass weights, right? Exactly, man. You can't, you got to be pushing heavier weight. The biggest thing is making sure that the, you're using the most, my thing, the way I encourage people is you're using the most load possible for that rep range and tempo that, that you can. So you're not sacrificing tempo. You're not going to rush the rep, each rep. You're not going to do less reps because of the loading. You want to use the most load you can with those things considered. So that way you should finish the set thinking, I probably didn't have many reps left at that tempo. I would have had to have adjusted something to be able to, to do more. Right. And then the last part of that is that we're not going to forego aerobic conditioning altogether. We're still going to do some cardio, but it's going to be a low volume aerobic work. So it's not like we're not going to go to the gym and park as close to the building as possible. So I have to walk. I think that's actually what, uh, what that guy, Eddie Hall did. He was breaking records and going for the Royal Strongest Man. He did just eight lifted and sat all day long. Yeah. But, um, but we, but he got pretty unhealthy too, right? He had to quit doing that. Yeah, I think, yeah, you definitely can incorporate the, the easier aerobic work and you can do some, some more like power type activities too. And, and sprinting type activities. We know that, that, that also is really important here. We're just not doing the three to eight minute all out, um, classic, more CrossFit type workout. If we're really trying to focus on mass, that's not to say you can't also put on mass while doing that. Um, you know, cause there are people that will can do that type of training and still put on mass. We're just talking about, if we're trying to optimize lean mass gain, like that's this mm-hmm. scenario here. Um, or if the person has really, really struggled to do so coming from that CrossFit background, well, the first thing I'm going to do is pull out what they've been doing. Cause clearly that has not been uh, successful for them. Gotcha. And do you have any other resources or books or programs that you recommend? Yeah, I think there, uh, there's a wealth of information. Yeah, there's a wealth of information out there, man. I'm a big fan of anything that uh, Precision Nutrition puts out. I think that they do a great job. They have a course that is uh, fantastic. Um, I have based, probably read anything they put out there for free. I have yet to do their actual course just because it's very extensive and I will probably do it once I'm done with PT school. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the got to make sure that PT school finishes up well. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, so I get- yeah, but uh, yeah, that, that whole PT thing. Um, but the um, that course is is great. I've heard nothing but great things. I know a lot of people who've gone through it, and they're the people I rely on for a lot of information. I think they're great. Um, so look into what they put out. Um, OPEX, of course, um, you know, is a big part of my background. They have a nutrition module as part of their coaching certification program. That was great too. It focuses a lot more on more of the holistic side of nutrition, um, and, and and you know, it's very it's extensive as well. But uh, you know, a lot more on food hygiene and that kind of thing. A little less on on, on say the exact numbers um one of my favorite people to look at is mike castelli he owns nova three labs he puts out a ton of a ton of info as well um has ebooks and things like that um he is who i've you know i've brought on board to help with um ethan's nutrition too um uh you know our our, our crossfit games athlete um mainly because again you know like i'm trying to I, i'm i'm not going to let his development be limited by you know, me not bringing in the best um in, in an area that maybe is not my forte so uh, mike has been a wealth of knowledge for us and puts out some great info too um so i would i would encourage everyone to look at into those things um but there are so many more out there, man. Yeah, I encourage people to really, as they go through and look at this information, is to do their own homework. Um, there's a lot when it comes to uh, nutrition. There's a lot of, I would say, maybe, I don't want to say pseudoscience, but a lot of anecdotal stuff being put out there that um, is not necessarily appropriate for the masses. Um, cough, cough, keto, uh, cough. Um, but uh, <laughs> there, 
I think that, you know, really do your homework um, and see if you can find some literature backing up a lot of those claims. Um, if it works really fast and really quickly, it probably isn't sustainable. That's one rule of thumb. Um, I think you have to be in the, for the, for the long haul for a lot of this. Um, so the people who, you know, um, you know, preach that kind of stuff. I would maybe stay away from those kind of individuals. Um, but I think if you're looking at stuff that John Berardi and, and Precision puts out, anything OPEX, OPEX puts out, anything Mike Costelli and Nova 3 puts out, th- you know, those are three pretty pretty good resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, one resource I had is if you're a complete newbie to this this topic, this whole bulking and mask anything, and you're looking for just a really basic program, I re- really like Dan John's Mask Made Simple. Um, it's it's cheap, too. Uh, you- you can get the, the ebook for like, I think maybe 15 or 20 bucks. Um, but essentially it's, it's the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. That's his whole gimmick. And it's, it's pretty effective. Essentially it's just a program. It emphasizes things we talked about already. Compound movements, heavy pulling and pressing complexes are part of it too, which is, which is meant to increase the time under tension. So that's just essentially a series of lifts where you go back to back and you finish the reps of one lift before you move on to the next one. And essentially the weight of the barbell doesn't leave your hand or touch the floor until you finish all the movements. Um, so example of that, it would be like doing something like six deadlifts and the six bent up rows and the six clean, six front squats, so on and so forth. And again, the advantage is that you create a lot of time under tension, which is what we need to simulate hypertrophy. Uh, but keep in mind, it's just a six week program. And it even says in the book that once you finish this, you need to move on to something else. And I think, you know, that that's a good segue into where you can really get involved with a good individualized program and kind of take it to the next level or sustain those results or even, you know, take them a step further. Yeah, man, I think um, I love Dan John and I love everything he puts out, man. You're right, and it doesn't have to be complicated. You have to give the right. body a stimulus for hypertrophy through the activity you're doing. You got to make sure that you have an accurate idea of your expenditure and then an accurate idea of your intake. You're going to probably need to track a little bit here um, to make sure you're taking in enough. Um, and then it's all just um, yes and check. You know, you evaluate, did I, did I put on any mass? Am I getting stronger? Am I smaller than before when I'm trying to gain weight? That happens sometimes. Um, that just tells you that you have to make a change. So, um, I encourage you to, to, you know, track a little bit, um, not just your, your training, but also your nutrition to kind of have an idea of really where you are. For sure, man. And then, um, the, the last thing, man, I, I, I gotta get this off my chest. We were talking about Ronnie Coleman a minute ago, but have you seen that Netflix documentary on the King? Dude, it's, it's a little sad, man. It's so sad. He's a shell of himself. I know, man. It just, you know, the higher ends of performance, man, like, you know, that's, I try to stress that with people that come into that, that want to be, they, you know, that come in with these performance aspirations. It's like, you know, higher, highest ends of performance and health are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, they, they think, oh, because this person's really high performer and and pushes themselves and looks the part that they're really healthy. But long-term that can have some, some detrimental effects as you, as you see in that documentary, it's called uh, the King for those who haven't seen it. Yeah, spoiler alert, he can only walk with the assistance of lost strand crutches. Um, it's terrible, but if you're a fan of Ronnie Coleman, um, it's depressing. Don't say I didn't warn you, but it's still, it's compelling. It's a good documentary, mm-hmm. so uh, definitely really recommend well it. Yep. All right, before you head off to be with your families, please take 30 seconds to leave us a five-star iTunes review. Subscribe or follow us to the podcast. All that good stuff our loyal listeners do on social media. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.